Hello and welcome to a special edition of Politics Weekly, coming to you from the University of Birmingham where we are chewing the fat in front of a live audience of concerned Midland citizens and perhaps one or two anoraks as well. I'm Tom Clark, And I'm Allegra Stratton and I'm proud to relay that for your delectation we have three of The Guardian's brightest and best. Please put your hands together for your panel, Jackie Ashley, Nick Cohen and the freewheeling John Harris. Home to a radical strain of politics in Victorian times, the question today is whether or not Birmingham is about to administer a radical jolt to Gordon Brown's government or indeed to the whole political system. The swing seats that will decide the election come clustered around here like oats in a breakfast cereal. From Dudley to Derby, the Midlands will make and break Gordon and Dave. But whereas only a week ago it was all about the Reds and the Blues, there is a growing whisper that the future is orange. Now, we know this because the pundits and pollsters have told us that Nick Clegg won last Thursday's debate. Um, Can you all put your hands up if you think he did? I suppose it's 60-40, but it's not as resounding as I... But I have been on the Lib Dem bus. (laughs) (laughs) Fresh from the campaign The sound of one hand clapping. But there's there's 40% of you then who don't think that uh, Clegg deserved all the acclaim. Can anyone who didn't think he won that debate put their hand up and just maybe tell us us why? Man in the middle who just opened his mouth. Uh, basically, I, I thought uh, most of what he said lacked substance. And do you think there was a clear winner? It depends what you're measuring winner on. If you want popularity, Nick was obviously the winner. To the panel, John, go on. I don't buy that, I'm afraid. I mean, I suppose you can argue that, and it's a criticism level that Gordon Brown, Gordon Brown that he gets bogged down in detail, but Clegg, wasn't, it wasn't all just about staring into the camera and looking uh, like a little boy lost, you know. I think there was um, a lot more going on. The reason I was quite impressed with him, despite myself, I mean, I've written columns decrying the lack of substance in, in Nick Clegg's politics and where exactly he sits on the political spectrum. But he did mention Trident and the need to look at it and what a waste of money it was repeatedly, you know. He did make the case for tax justice. He did talk about the fact that Cameron, in particular, seems to want to promise us the earth and hasn't got the means to pay for it. And the other bit that I really liked was when, the, when Brown and Cameron were sort of playing to the Daily Mail gallery saying, we well, need to have more and more people in prison. Prison works. He said, prison doesn't work. Mm. And he, but, he made the case for a sort of enlightened judicial policy, which when you're on ITV in prime time, is not something you hear very much. And I, you know, I, I, uh, I like that. And I think he deserves quite a lot of respect for doing it. It's not a great surprise that he did, but it was nice to hear it. Jackie, we'll get onto the substance of the Lib Dem plans in a minute, but just quickly, are you excited? Have you got your digibox ready for next week's debate? Or I'm this very week's excited, debate? very excited. There was a big question, can Nick Clegg do it again? I rather think he will. It's foreign affairs uh, this week, and I think on foreign affairs he had, really has got some good things to say. Remind us all about the war in Iraq, which we've not heard much about during this campaign yet. Lib Dem's the only party to oppose it. And uh, also talking about, just raise the whole question about the troops in Afghanistan, when they're coming home, what they're doing out there, because, again, that's something that we need to debate. Whichever side you come down on in the end, I think uh, people do want to hear that debated. And I think Nick Clegg has, a, has a, again, something different to say. And, Nick, will you be unplugging your TV on... So your telephone, certainly not your television, on, uh, <laughs> on Thursday night? Yeah, no, uh, of course I watch it. I mean, perfectly honest, I think the other two parties have left it too late to, to deal with Liberal Democrats. You, you, you get these surges in, in support, this sort of upswelling of emotion, and they ought to have had, both Labour and the Tories, ought to have had a plan to deal with it, to deal with Liberal Democrats. I mean, the Conservatives, most of all, even before all of this, the Conservatives didn't just have to take seats from Labour, they had to take Lib Dem seats, uh, particularly in the South West. You'd have thought they would have had an argument 
against the Lib Dems. But it's a strange thing about, about Westminster and about Westminster journalism as well. No one really thinks about the Liberal Democrats. You know, we've got... Uh, there are so many people writing about politics. We've got more columns in the Parthenon in the national press. But there's no such thing as a Lib Dem columnist. There's no such thing as a paper, you know, consistently... Well, yeah, but, I mean, it doesn't examine the policies. It's not a part of the party in the way that uh, there are lots of Labour columnists, lots of Tory columnists absolutely in there, involved in the faction fighting and everything. And so they, they can just come out, of, come out of the sun, really, and, uh, uh, like a fighter coming out of the sun and take the main parties by surprise. Now, one seat where the Lib Dems were absolutely ignored until very recently, at least, is, is Dudley South. It's always been a straight fight between Labour and Tory, and the number crunchers tell us that by snatching this particular seat, the Tories would make themselves the largest party nationwide. However, times change and the Liberal Democrat candidate John Bramwell is querying the two-party pitch. Tom spent the morning after that with him. Hi there, I'm John Bramwell. Uh, oh, you're the Liberal I am. Just get rid of that immigration policy. Mm-hmm. You've got your best chance you've had in years. What, what we're saying with, with immigration, of course, is that we think that, like in Australia and like in Sweden, we should have regional, um, a regional system where if an area needs immigrants entitled to, to come and if an area doesn't then they're not that's what's what we're, we're saying uh, it's the same as saying all the crimes you've committed in the last 10 years will be forgiven provided you admit them right so okay forget I'll, it i get rid of that that'll that'll trip you up well, at the moment i'm, I'm the class as a, as a floating voter mm-hmm. normally i voted labor in mm-hmm. the past and uh, a bit of dis- disillusion with the mps at the moment with mm-hmm. almost with all the scandal we've had with because the expenses yeah so really just just really sort of looking to see what our local mp can uh, can can bring forward and, and say you know for this area this is what i'm going to do sure. there's the whole thing of what the lib dems nationally are calling the pupil premium which nick clegg mentioned in the debate which is to do with bringing up the, the spending for for children from less advantaged backgrounds mm. to that from parents who are wealthier Sorry. so what's your stance on the on the mosque in, in in dudley i think it's right that people should be able to worship their faith um, yeah. And I always feel that, that in this country we have a, a, a history of tolerance as long as you're not forcing your beliefs and religions on other people. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. I brought yeah. So, John, we've spoken to a couple of voters now, both banging on about either immigration or the mosque. Do you think we've got here the perils of success? Two weeks ago, very few people you'd have spoken to would have known what the Liberal Democrat policy on immigration was, would they? Well, what I find very interesting is that in the leadership debate, when the issue of immigration was debated the way that the the voters who were used in the polling were, were used they viewed our immigration policy as as very good yep. uh, and when we actually managed to explain the whole situation then people actually understand where we're coming from no one in Hello there. I'm John Bramwell. I'm your, your Liberal Democrat candidate in the general election. Um, and we're wondering what your thoughts are on who you're going to be supporting at the election. Oh, gosh, I don't know, really. <laughs> it won't be Labour. <laughs> <laughs> did, you get, did you watch the, the leadership I debate? I watched them, but yeah. What were really your good. thoughts? Um, you did really, really well. Yeah. I don't think Labour are going to get back in. <laughs> Can I just ask you, I'm Tom Clark from The Guardian. If it was an absolutely straight choice between Gordon Brown and David Cameron... Which I'd go David Cameron. But I do think mm. he's quite young in the Conservative Party. And I think he comes across very young. The new interest you picked up in the last few days. Yes. Could, you, could you put a rough guess? Is it is it half and half, two-thirds Tory, one-third Labour? 
where you're drawing these extra people in, do you think? Um, I would say it is slightly more from Labour, but it, there's a definite shift from Conservatives as well. But in terms of on the doorstep, it's quite a good, quite a good split. Well, they're up 10 points in the week, Jackie. Um, the question is, is it going to steam on or is it going to run out of steam? I think it will steam on a bit, but I don't think it's going to... Um, my daughter actually said to me this morning, I mean, might Nick Clegg really become Prime Minister? And I said, I don't think so. And then I had to add, well, of course, there's always a t- the possibility of something really bizarre happening. But uh, I do think what's going to happen is people are going to look at the policies and a lot of the people who like the nice Nick Clegg, who is, let's face it, very like Tony Blair. He's very personable, he's very charming, he's the kind of son-in-law you'd want for your daughter. Um, I think people like that from the debate and the fact that he was speaking... Um, um, he was prepared to speak out of the normal Westminster sort of box and challenge things. But I think when people look at his policies, they won't necessarily say they want those policies because actually a lot of what he's saying is, I would say, to the left of Labour. Uh, and I think a lot of people, um, uh, John will regret this, are not uh, wanting Gordon Brown to be much more to the left. And I think if you look at some of his policies, they'll start to say, uh-huh, I like the man, but I'm not so sure about the policies. He's promising tax cuts, though, John, isn't he? That's... Yeah, it depends... Well, so answer Jackie's point, it's very often easy to say, oh, well, there's a position to the left of so-and-so and therefore think it's sort of box office poison politically. In the case of the Lib Dems, that isn't necessarily the case. I mean, I suppose their policy on the banks is to the left of both parties, but people are desperate to hear anything of substance about the banks. You know, anything that counters this idea, we've just come out of the world effectively being turned upside down, and neither of the two main parties have anything to say about the forces, it seems, that got us in that mess. That's a, so that's an example, arguably, of a stance which puts them to the left of Gordon Brown. Their tax which policies, play very, they're very going to well. pay for their, their cut by, by lots of taxes at the, the upper end. And again, that, that, that thing about tax justice. And also, a Trident, you, uh, again, you know, talking about what a waste of money Trident is... 10 or 15 years ago would have been seen as an absolutely crazy left-wing thing to bring to mainstream politics. I sat and watched the leaders' debate on a sofa in Blackpool with two people who ran a a B&B who were effectively right-wing Labour voters. And once he said, Trident's a waste of money, our troops need boots, I mean, their eyes lit up and they said, what a brilliant thing to say. Nick, you sometimes give the impression of wanting to get all the rotters out. (laughs) I mean, do do you think the British people are starting to feel the same way? Um, whew, well, we'll find out soon enough. I mean, I, 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 I feel like talking to John, like, like, like telling a child there's no Santa Claus or something or no tooth fairy. I mean, on Tridents, Lib Dems are not saying unilateral disarmament. They're saying on the one hand to please people stuff. like you, and then on the other hand, well, maybe something further down the line. It's just so Vince Cable can put something into his figures. Um, keep some other kind of nuclear um, deterrent. Here's, here's something that. interesting about, about Lib Dems. They are a middle-class party, and in a funny way, I mean, you talk about tax justice. Actually, mm. their tax cuts, assuming they can afford it, which they can't, but assuming they could, it would help the middle class. People in London have a, a hugely inflated idea of who the English middle class are. You get, I keep going on about this, but and I, I, it just drives me mad the way the Times and the Sunday Times say, you know, taxes on income, incomes over 150,000 hit the middle class. You know, the middle class send their kids to private schools. <laughs> middle class people in this country are in households on around 30,000. And so it won't help. You, you'll get a shift mm. if you did have a Clegg government, assuming there were such a thing, with both Labour and to an extent with the sort of uh, noblesse oblige aspects of, of the Tories. You've got both parties that are quite comfortable with the rich, or Labour certainly is very comfortable with the rich, will do stuff for the very poor, 
but leave out the middle. And so in some ways, uh, Nick, Nick Clegg is, is addressing a constituency that's been, been rather forgotten, at least since, since Blair's gone. Can I throw it over to you lot? I mean, do you think the media is getting carried away with, with Clegg? Those are the 40% who didn't think he won on Thursday. Mm. The man behind yes. you, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, with regard to uh, the Liberals, I mean, I think they fudged on Afghanistan... What needs to be said absolutely clearly is about the absolutely incredible amount of money which has been spent on Afghanistan, 4.5 billion last year. Because actually I think there's not a great deal of difference between those three parties. What I want unequivocally really is to say that we have, for example, a system where we have bankers who are not prosecuted, but where we have single mums who actually defraud their social security, will be persecuted and prosecuted. Whereas actually we have a legal system today where not one banker who clearly has involved themselves in fraud and deception is not prosecuted. But don't you think I, it's the Lib Dems that get nearest to saying that that should be remedied? Near? No. I mean, we want... We, I mean, actually, I think the people in this... Who are you going to vote for? No. That's the, I mean, that's the $1,000 question. Who well, you, in, well, in your search for absolute political perfection, no, who are you no, going to no, vote no, no, for? No, 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 no. just say See, the Guardian's I, not giving I, I, you $1,000? I want someone to represent... Actually, I think in this country at the moment, we've got people who are much to the left of those political parties. You ask people about Afghanistan, unequivocally, bring the troops home. Not fudging. This, this not gentleman here, I hope you don't mind, but you were nodding your head during some of that. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that to a certain extent. I don't, sorry, I don't have any positive wisdom to throw into the debate. But um, I think that Clegg was always going to do well because he was less well known from the start. So, in a sense, he was coming to it completely fresh. Has it altered the way you might vote? Um... It might have done. I haven't really made my mind up yet. Um, but I, I would say, that to support what that gentleman was saying, is that I do agree that the, there was a little bit of a stitch-up to me in terms of the fact that the debate was... There were so many shared assumptions that weren't touched on in that debate. Um, things like immigration, right from the start, I was disappointed that there wasn't more of a debate on the pros and cons of that. Um, and everyone just seemed to agree that immigration's bad and we've got to do something about it immediately from the start without any really in-depth discussion. That disappointed me. So, Allegri, you've been on the battle bus, as we've already relayed. Um, Nick Clegg's big moment. He's not used to this kind of spotlight. Is he keeping his head? Yeah, he's fine. His aides are grinning all the time. And they keep saying... They said on them, with that one particularly amazing poll, they said, have you seen the YouGov poll? It's 33, 32, 26. And I said, and you're on 26. And they said, no, we're on 33. <laughs> it was a shock for everyone. Um, he, he is quite good at poker face. He is actually, and I do think that there is, I, I do think that they are quite, he and some of the kind of guys you never see but who advise him are quite, um, I think they're quite optimistic that they will keep the lead. I, I, I don't know whether they have fully appreciated when the, the guns of the Tories or indeed the Labour Party are turned on them. And the press, like we saw that those people do know about their immigration policy. Indeed, or some other, some other broadcasting channels who seem to think it is still a novelty rather than a, a sort of a, a robust political phenomenon. Well, let's leave the Lib Dems there just for a moment because we ought to turn to the Tories as well. Now, when uh, David Cameron published his little blue book, which I have here, his manifesto, he promised something that's a bit of a rarity in modern politics. He promised he had a big idea. He calls that big idea the big society. John Harris has been out to road test the concept in the nearby seat of Stourbridge, which is the one that the Tories simply have to win. One of the things we're talking to people about is this idea the Conservatives have about what they call the big society. You heard of that? Nah. Right. One of the things they're advocating is parents, if they don't like their local school, being able to set up their own. 
parents can set up their own school. Yeah. What do you think of that idea? Yeah, it's a good idea. Really? <laughs> Why is it a good idea? Because <laughs> some schools are crap, I think. <laughs> my, two, my youngest daughter's here at the minute. My eldest daughter came here is now at Pedmore. Right. And he'll come here as well. Right. You know, I've got no qualms with the school. Don't like some of the policies, but right, you know, so that's would, with everything, isn't it? But you quite like the idea and principle of, of getting together with other parents to set up a new school. Oh yeah, really? Yeah. You got enough time? I'd find time. Right, okay. If it was to be a good school for my kids' education, then you'd find time. How would it be different? I of course say that because I'm going to get done for being racist, and I'm not. Explain that. It would be a school for our kids. White kids. Yeah. I'm telling you. Um. To be honest, I think it's best left to the people who know more about it, um, who've always done it, the government or private sectors, so parents shouldn't really get involved. Basically, it's a very good school. I've always been happy. Um, that's why I sent my girls here. So Basically, if I was to start a school myself, I'm a nursery nurse, but I wouldn't know anything. John, it wasn't just schools you were asking them about. You asked about the whole gamut of... Public to, to know exactly what the big society is about, it's all on page thirty-eight of that blue book, and there's not there's not much there really. I mean, precisely how many libraries are going to be taken over by volunteers and community groups, and how many parents are going to set up schools apart from Toby Young in Acton or wherever he lives? Um, it's not entirely clear, um, and we, you know, but it's a it's a good laugh, you know, if you go around. Um, Stourbridge Library, and we said, how would you feel about getting involved in the running of this library? And it sounds like quite a nice idea. I mean, it's, it's easy for people on my side of politics to argue against this, and you have to understand, I think, that um, involvement and empowerment and people, you know, enableiness and people coming blinking out of their homes is a good thing, and there's not enough of it around. And one shouldn't be, shouldn't be too sniffy about it. But if you say to people, do you want to get involved in the running of the local library? Most of the people we met said, no, I haven't got time. Said, so do you want to... Would you like to put in some hours as a volunteer? And they said, no, I haven't got the training. I want a librarian to run the library. And then similarly, if you talk to parents, with the exception of our racist friend outside the school, one of the ugliest scenes I've beheld in the last two and a half weeks, really grim, actually, a clump of Muslim mums and a clump of white mums who obviously don't speak to each other at all and just venom, really, running from the white mums to the Muslim mums. It was grim. Um, but again, we said to the, most of those people, would you want to set up your own school, and they said, I haven't got the time. Because to, to, to echo what Nick said about class politics, you know, a lot of people in a place like Stourbridge have a minimum wage job during the day, and maybe women particularly, maybe have a couple of hours bar work at night. And the idea that they could somehow take on a role amount to a glorified PTA is quite a big ask, you know. Nick, what do you think? I mean, do you think there is something here about taking the dead end of bureaucracy away? Or Yeah, I mean, to an extent, yes. Um, look, we, we, England, not Scotland and Wales, they've had devolution. England has got this, this vast Fabian managerial bureaucracy. You know, in Birmingham, if something's going wrong with the Queen Elizabeth's Hospital, there's nothing you and your neighbours can do about it. Uh, you know, you can't... There's no democratic way for you to, in, to influence the local health service, for instance. Uh, it's very hard to influence schools with national targets and, you know, Ed Balls sitting in Whitehall. So, I mean, I think they are addressing, uh, they are addressing a real problem. I and mean, John's point about where do people find time, it used to be women who manned the voluntary sector. And, and that's, that's very rare now. The difficulty I've got with it is, I mean, you talked at the start of this programme about Birmingham's great radicalism uh, you know, under Chamberlain when Birmingham was like, 
one of the most inspiring cities in the world to people. People all over the world look to, look, uh, look to Birmingham. But that was, that was through local government. Now, if, you, if, if you're going to talk about breaking up the state, if you're going to talk about giving people power, you have to talk about giving more power back to local government and crucially giving tax rates raising powers back to local government, cutting the taxes that are raised and collected centrally and doing that locally. And that's... I mean, I think Conservatives... I mean, any party that's been in opposition as long as the Tories has, and has had to fall back on local government sort of respects local government because it's all they've got. But you don't see a lot of that coming through. You don't see a lot of people talking about that. Jackie, was it striking that Cameron didn't really mention the big society at all in Thursday's debate? Yes, I get the feeling that they're starting to realise that this uh, big society is the big flop. I mean, <laughs> some Tories are talking about it as being as, as hopeless an idea as John Major's famous Cones hotline. Do you remember we went to phone up and report when they lots of traffic cones. Excuse me, that was called the Citizens' Charter. It was indeed, but I think this is about as much as a flop, and that's why Cameron is is not making that much of it, or certainly didn't in the debate. I mean, I can only agree with these two, and just to add a few things, I mean, I have in my time, when I've been working a little bit less hard when my kids were very young, I have been involved in PTAs, in the local cubs, in the local Mm. brownies, in the local swimming club committee, and I've been on all these things. And all I can tell you is that trying to get anyone to actually volunteer to do it is the devil's own job. Everyone wants to have a say and and to complain, but, you know, get them to come along, to come to a meeting on a Wednesday night in a cold, bloody hall, a church hall or a school, and they say, no, thank you very much, but can you guys who are doing it do this and that? Hang on, we're volunteers, we're not paid, you know. Mm. But no, I think the whole idea is complete nonsense. All of of those descriptive words would describe you lot, though. You've come along here, you haven't been paid. Does, Does the big society appeal to any of you? or is it the big flop a big shaking head just here thanks I actually thought we already had parents involved in running of schools they're called governors Um, Mm. I'm a school governor I'm giving up um, unpaid time on Friday afternoon to help choose a new deputy head teacher but the problem I have with this the whole proposal from Cameron is that it seems to me a, that the, the, the parents and the service users don't have the time to get involved. It's, it's absolutely true. The other thing I want to say is, is that I think that the, the fear I have about the, about the big society is that it's actually opening a back door for the private sector to come in. That's explicit. And, uh, yes. And actually, <laughs> absolutely my, my, explicit. And, and Gove's moved a bit on, on the Swedish school things. He's now said that they can make profit out of it. And I think what you will find is that you will have the private sector come in and take over the public services to make money out of it. And I'm very, very worried about that. Someone at the back there, let's say one more. I wouldn't say I totally disagree with what you're saying, so I'm not as in, well informed as you are. Um, but what I'm saying is I think um, that from this perspective um, myself, I think it's a good way that they could get young people involved in politics maybe later on, because I think a lot of people feel apathetic towards politics and big society may encourage more people to get involved with their local communities local institutions and become more aware and more active and I think within the post-millennium generation there's a big problem that people feel completely detached from current politics and political terms and politicians and I think it could be a good thing however I'm not really a fan of the Tories so it's not (laughs) your friend your friends two to your right I was just going to add that I think the big society just completely exemplifies all the flaws with the Tories because it's kind of a middle-class luxury that you have No, see, that's what I don't... I'm not not sure... See, that's the kind of talk, with respect, that I get a bit uneasy about, is when when you start to say, well, only middle-class people would want to do this. Not only middle-class would want to do it. I think only it's the kind of thing that 
you know, if, if a, if a, a mum works part-time, then she can indulge in other areas. And I'm saying that it's people who don't have to work all the time, perhaps, to actually earn money to invest time in running schools or whatever on PTAs, because it is a luxury that people who have more money have, I think. And unfortunately, that does fall into people who are in the middle-class bracket, I think. But, you see, bracket. That's why we need stronger local government. I mean, you'd normally have, you know, you, you judge the people running schools and you could chuck the scoundrels out. Um, you, you would be able to uh, campaign to get councillors who agree with you elected and then implement, pol- uh, implement policy if you want. There's a danger with this, and you've already seen it under both uh, Labour and, uh, and the Thatcher rights, is you decentralise, but the, the money is dependent on Whitehall, on Whitehall standards, the money that's going to... And the sense you nationalise the voluntary sector, there's been, a lot of that, there's been a lot of that going on of people saying... Because you know, this is hardly new. None of this is new. Blair was saying this, Thatcher was to an extent. Mm-hmm. We want people to do their own thing, run this, run that... They become dependent on Whitehall grants. They get a mountain of targets, a massive bureaucracy. Yeah. And, and, and they're just as much a part of central government yeah, yeah. as the Ministry of Defence. John, we have to wrap that up, but I need to know where your battle bus is going next. I wish it was a battle bus. <laughs> battle it's a bike. Black, it's a little black <laughs> renter car. <laughs> uh, where's it, where are we going next? Uh, after, as soon as this is finished, we're going to Sheffield to sample Clegmania if such a thing exists <laughs> on his land. home turf <laughs> where to answer Nick's point I maybe I finally have to come face to face with the fact that Santa Claus doesn't exist <laughs> in Sheffield at least but we're on the road too of course a little nearer to home on the more familiar terrain of King's Cross that's right we'll be with Polly Toynbee Andrew Ronsley and John Harris of course for extended festival of sophology and gossip at our King's Place home on May the 4th which is just two days before the ballot box is open you can get tickets for wait for at £9.50 online and to get yours just log on to our website at guardian.co.uk forward slash politics weekly well we've discussed the blues and the yellows but what about the reds this week Gordon Brown's team have been declaring their resolve to rescue their countrymen from being stranded by the Atlantic ash if necessary by calling in the gunboats could there be a less subtle way of reminding us who is in charge to remain so brown needs to make the country grateful for the way he took the rough edges off the slump jackie he's going to be as pleased as punch that that last debate is all about the uh, economy isn't he well he is but i think wrongly so because i think i'm afraid gordon brown on the economy is the one thing guaranteed <laughs> to have everybody switching over the channels because he's talking he is so clever at all these statistics and he's got so many of them in his head that he just rattles them off and and it means nothing to anybody so many billions of this so many thousands of that um and i think although he is very good on the economy he he, he becomes even more wonkish his problems which are a presentation become much worse when he's on the economy uh, the other thing i think which is interesting that's the one thing that struck me during this campaign about nick clegg who i have known and admired for quite some time but i've always thought he wasn't particularly hot on economics um, I have seen him now in quite a few situations handling questions on the economy really fairly well. Um, up until now, it's always been Vince Cable who's done the economy stuff, but I think actually Nick Clegg will come into his own on the economy. I'm not sure how good David Cameron's going to be. So I think, again, we could see Clegg doing well in that third debate as well on the economy. It's, it's, a, funny, it's a funny thing, isn't it, because um, Brown's message is all about putting money into the economy, this kind of Keynesian idea that you have to spend like crazy now in order to rein it in later whereas Cameron and Clegg are saying something much simpler which might not make economic sense which is just we're going to cut tax what do you think Nick? 
Well, first of all, the idea that Gordon Brown is good on the economy, it's, it's, just, it's, 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 it's amazing the brass neck of the man. I, look, I don't have any Conservatives in the audience. The Guardian audience there may, not, may not be. Even if you are the most deepest Conservative, the one f- Labour governments, the one thing you ought to be able to trust them to do is regulate the bloody banks. Whatever else they do, whatever else they do, they might, they might overspend, they might overtax, they might do everything else. I, I'm very interested in how... People who call themselves left-wing have just lost the natural instincts off the left, and one of them was a healthy and well-justified suspicion of finance capital. There has never been in in history one of the great booms and busts of capitalism, one of the great maniac bubble markets presided over by a centre-left government. It's either been governments of the centre-right that believe in laissez-faire or governments that were entirely corrupted by, uh, well, it's a South Sea bubble company through to the Japanese stock market which corrupted the Japanese government. This happened under a Labour government. It's just an extraordinary thing. And it's, it, it's a sign, really, of how, of how people in the age of globalisation just got detached from sort of the, the truths of social de- democratic economics that, that there isn't more criticism of it. And also, incidentally, Tom, it is not Keynesian to run deficits in the boom. Keynes, Keynes would, say to, would no, have said to Gordon slump. Brown, yeah, but Keynes would have said to Gordon Brown, you save money in the boom, so you've got money uh, oh, in the you slump. Mean when he you was don't run up the... debts in the boom time and then run up more debts in the slump. So you're talking then about you go what bankrupt. got wrong before. Yeah. yeah. John, why has Labour not decided to run against business? It seemed in the first week when Cameron and Osborne seemed to steal a march on this national insurance yeah. contributions debate that they, all these hundreds, it was a hundred. Yeah, I was end. amazed. I was amazed by how quiet Labour was on that. And then they came out with that really misplaced idea that somehow all those businessmen had been deceived. Like the guy who runs <laughs> Marks and Spencers is just stupid, you know. Whereas, in fact, there was a very easy way to parry that, I would argue, which would have been to take out an advert in the tabloid papers that had the same number of regular folks, you know. People who work in shops and in hospitals and schools saying, well, actually, we understand that putting up national insurance a bit is needed to shore up public services. But they wouldn't go near that, probably, because it would wreak a class war. I mean, there's an ingrained Nick Tutted there. I've got to ask him why. Yes. I didn't mean to touch. Oh, sorry. Please <laughs> exercise sorry, that touch from the tape, please. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to include my friend. Oh, you well, actually, the reason I was touching is Labour hasn't got the money to put an advert in the tape. No, no, all right. But something, all right, <laughs> a, all right, a Facebook group run by the work experience person. I mean, whatever it was. But there's an ingrained sort of pathology, which is personified by somebody like Peter Mandelson, which, which ha- has no awareness of how much out there there has been this absolute sea change. And then Vince Cable came out, finally, I think, at the, the weekend after that Sir Stuart Rose thing, and said, these people are uh, nauseating. Are nauseating. That was the word mm. that you used. Thank you. And um, that voice should have been a Labour Party voice. Yeah, Nick's, Nick's absolutely right. But the, the root of this is really simple. The story of Gordon Brown's great fall was the perversion of Tony Crosland's brand of social democracy, whereby Brown thought you could just stoke the city, leave it to get on with whatever it wants to do. You take the skim, it will pay for schools and hospitals, and it will go on forever. And that's part of this sort of pathology that gripped the Labour Party. And, of course, it's been absolutely destroyed. And the absence of a message that you see in the Labour campaign, that's my big question in this campaign. Apart from the idea that you'll restore the economy economy to health, what's your message? What do you want to do over the next four years? The fact they haven't really got an answer to that is exactly... Exactly that, because these are people who cut their teeth in a world that doesn't exist anymore, and they don't know what to do. It's not just Labour. It's the interesting thing about and, this, and this applies to the Tories equally. It, yeah. It's not just it's not just Labour who, who, who are at sea. I mean, Scottish nationalism not a big question in Birmingham, but you know, it used to, it used to be 
possible to imagine independent Scotland. Now its two biggest banks have gone bust and had to be bailed out by the British taxpayer. The idea is instead of communism. Green politics depends on, uh, depends on vast expenditure on alternative energy supplies. You know, again, very difficult. And as, as for the Conservatives, this is one reason, perhaps, why David Cameron looks so, so nervous. I mean, Margaret Thatcher came up with this brilliant and biting line that the trouble with socialism is that sooner or later you run out of other people's money. Well, that seems to be the trouble with financial capitalism as well. You know, they're all a bit at sea. This is, this is, this is why this election, I think, feels so, so dislocated. And perhaps why Nick Clegg is, is Jackie, coming Jackie, on. Jackie, oh. Jackie, come on, Jackie. I'm going to say I agree with John. I agree with Nick. Um, I agree with John. And I, I think the problem for Labour, because we're talking about Labour, is that those people running the campaign, as you say, Peter Mandelson, who has seized control, iron control of this campaign, and excluded all women, incidentally, but that's another story. Um, Apart from lovely Sarah. Apart from Sarah, who's not a politician, um, all Peter Mandelson and his ilk are of a generation where they're still scarred by the battles of the seventies and eighties, and they just cannot see that times have changed. And I think you're right, John. Business now is not seen as the great thing that it used to be then, um, and yet they're not allowing the younger generation, who perhaps do see that, to have their say in the Labour Party. It's still far too much dominated by, just to, by just 50 and 60-year-olds. Not that there's much wrong with them. but uh. Just to politely address that Santa Claus thing, which you can tell has really hurt me. Man. I've been sitting here, <laughs> turning this around in my head. The thing, <laughs> what tells you how washed out the debate between the two parties have got on precisely this question, that shared inability to understand how much the world has changed, is that Nick Clegg, Nick Clegg, a man who until two or three weeks ago was bordering on a laughingstock among large swathes of the commentary, is, has, has become a kind of any port in a storm figure. And he's being taken seriously as someone who, you know, people are comparing him to Barack Obama. If you, if you bought G2 today, you'd have seen him done up as Che Guevara and Barack Obama <laughs> and Winston Churchill. This is preposterous. But the reason it's happened is because, because of the paucity of anything that addresses where we are post-financial crash but on oh, the part of the Labour and the Conservative parties. That's the point. Don't you think, like, Brown has still got a case to make here, hasn't he? There was a hell of a recession. OK, maybe he didn't spot it coming. But there's going to be quite another one. Has he got anything to say about how to stop another one happening? Well, he might substance? not, but he's still got something well, that's to a pretty say big about emission, right? why we've not got four million unemployment that people were predicting a couple of years ago. Look, Tom... Uh, uh, Alistair Darling, uh, Mervyn King, and even though I, I really, really don't like the man, Gordon Brown, did do brilliantly in the crisis. But there, there has been... You know, it's extraordinary. The banking system collapses and there is no reform. There's no serious reform. I mean, this is how democratic societies move on. Something goes terribly wrong, you reform it. You don't make that mistake again. And, and I've had very senior people in the Labour Party, I've actually had them up against the wall. I was trying to hit them. So why on earth don't you do this? Oh, you know, we don't want to upset the bankers, you know, all of that. And, and I mean, you're just in despair. Obama, Obama, people forget, Obama was neck and neck in the polls with McCain. It was perfectly possible McCain and Palin could have won. Lehman Brothers went under. Obama does, says, says the right things and at least proposes some kind of reform. McCain's all at sea. He wins. And it's extraordinary to me that the centre-left party is not thinking about this. And it's not, not, not just for its own sake, for the sake of the country. But they won't do it. You're going to have to, they're going to have to lose an election and be a complete clean-out. OK, they can't see. <laughs> they can't see where the game is going, Nick. Um, but just two weeks before polling day, um, it wouldn't be right to have you here without giving you a chance to read the tea leaves and make complete fools of yourselves. Um, I think 
Maybe we should ask John first, Allegra, what is going to happen in the election. Because Seeing least... as he just put his head in his hands, I think that's a good idea. Because I was sort of, when you asked me this question when we did this in Manchester, in retrospect, I mean, this was pre clerk mania. <laughs> so uh, I was up a gum tree, really. I thought the turnout would be hovering at about 45, 50%. I think after the debate, actually, and it's not just because of the debate, it's because the debate has so brought mm. politics to life. I mean, it's not just that hour and a half on TV. I think, I think turnout won't be amazing i don't think it'll go as high as 75 80 but i don't think it'll be as disastrous as i thought majority though or it's hard to tell you know i mean the two ways of approaching this question really firstly i don't think clegg is going to come in quite where he is or lib dems are going to come in quite where they are in the polls now but i think you're going to get a reasonably even three-way split actually in the vote i wrote about this on com- in the popular vote and i wrote about this on comment is free over the weekend and do you think that will leave the I Tories? I think, well, here's the thing. Because, because first past the post is such an idiot system, which just doesn't suit anything other than rigid two-party politics, Lots of heads there is a the very, audience. very real possibility that Labour will be last in votes and first in seats. And I relish that happening because at that point we know we've got a bust electoral system, which is part of the reason why our politics is crap and nobody debates anything. And at that point, finally we might start to have a conversation about how we begin to make politics work. So, Well, that's a long way of that's, saying... That's an aspiration. Tories 150 seats short of majority. No, but, I, think, um, I, I think it might be the case that uh, Labour could Labour. be the single largest party on the smallest number of votes. Jackie, have you got a precise estimate? Quicker than that. Well, I think, uh, as, as John... I'm agreeing with John again. This is just like Clinton. me and Nick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the Lib Dems that won't you, do Nick? as well simply because they can't. <laughs> I don't agree with this, Nick. Um, not yet, anyway. I think the Lib Dems will get about 100 seats. I think Labour will just beat the Tories, and I think Labour will do a deal with the Lib Dems, and I think then we will get a change in the system. So I think it's all very exciting, and I think yes. there's hope for optimism. Progressive consensus. Are you going to break yes. it, Nick? Uh, yeah, please. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I would have put the case for pessimism. Um, uh, say what Jackie says happens. We will have a constitutional crisis at the same time as we may well be having a sovereign debt crisis. About the most depressing thing about this campaign is the way that all parties, the Tories say, we found some money, we'll have marriage, tax relief for marriage. Liberals say they'll be a, we'll get the first £10,000 out of tax. Labour are throwing ring fences round Whitehall departments faster than barbed wire going up in the war zone, health, education, police, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, we have massive, massive debts that, 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 that are getting worse, and you are not going to get a government. You're going to get possibly an illegitimate government if Gordon Brown is still Prime Minister on May the 7th. A government, as John says, gets, yeah. however, way, however way you went to t- twist it, well, it could happen. It that, could no, happen. Be... Actually, actually, I'll tell you what's really nice. I'll tell, you, what, I'll tell, I you, what's, I'll tell you what's really nice. I'm trying to rein nice. him in. I'm struggling. <laughs> we don't know. It's that marvellous thing. All these pundits, myself included, uh, all the academics, all the people in the parties will be there on the night of May the 6th and will have to show a proper respect for the electorate so that no one know, will have a have faintest a idea about what's going to happen. Not the faintest. Well, uh, there's a certain modesty in that, I suppose. Um, but on that um, modest note, it's time for us to wrap things up. So please, if you could show your appreciation one more time for your panel, Jackie Ashley, John Harris and Nick Cohen. And listeners at home can have your own say by leaving comments on our blog at guardian.co.uk forward slash politicsweekly. Special thanks to all of you who are actually here with us for coming along at the University of Birmingham. Our producer has been Francesca Panetta. From all of us here, it's goodbye. Bye.